Create an Unstoppable Life, episode number 107. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here today. A few announcements. Number one, there are two more sessions of four mistakes physicians make with their website and how yours can be better. The link to sign up is in the show description, and you can also find it on Instagram at Dina George MD under the bio section. Number two, for the latest on events that I'm hosting or attending, sign up for my email newsletter, georgemdcoaching.com. Simply scroll to the bottom, enter your information there. A thank you to our sponsor today. Make no mistake, digital marketing is a science. Advice Media has created a proven roadmap that gets you from where your practice is now to where you want it to be. They call this their pyramid of success. Thousands of clients have proven that their six-stage approach is the optimal way for attracting new patients and retaining current ones. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to be a digital marketing expert. You have lives to change. Give them just 30 minutes to consult with you. They would bet you're doing some things really, really well, and there might be areas where you can improve. That's where they come in. Just for spending the time, they will give you a $60 Amazon gift card. You have nothing to lose. Book your consult today. Go to drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. That's drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. Today's episode is with Dr. Ali Novitsky, a physician, entrepreneur, and one of the first coaches. She has an amazing collection of work, coaching programs for physicians, podcasts, both solo and with her husband, Mark, blogging. She joins us today to talk about strength, what it really is, and what it really means. Well, welcome to another episode. I'm so excited to share that Dr. Ali Novitsky is with us today to talk about all things related to strength and power. Ali has been in the physician life coaching sphere for a long time. I think she's one of the leaders in this space. So it's truly an honor for you to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I have followed your work for such a long time now, and I just always have such a special place for you in my heart. And so it it is truly an honor to be talking with you today. One of the things that I love about the potential of this conversation is to get into what strength is not so that we can get into what strength really is. Because what society tells us, what medical culture tells us is not working for so many of us. Where do you want to start? Oh gosh, I love that because there's so many ways we can start with that. But I think if I were to pick some top runners that I would start with, I would say first off is image, right? So particularly because obviously, as you noted, I work in the physician space, the appearance of power. So seeing how somebody is dressed, seeing how somebody is put together, seeing how somebody carries themselves, seeing the words that they say or hearing the words that they say. A lot of times, you know, we see that image and we assume that's either strength or not strength, but we don't know really what's going on below the surface. And so one of the things that I think is really important is that to actually be vulnerable with ourselves to explore what is below the surface for us, oftentimes we'll extend compassion to others and really allowing ourselves to say, hey, listen, 
this is how they present themselves, but there might be other stuff going on as well. So I think it's just having to start anyway, is being able to see that things are not always as they appear. And how can we go beyond that? And to really, I guess, go inward a little bit. One of the foundations of your program, at least from the outside, looks like physically building strength, emotionally, mentally. Can you talk about the components in the group that you run? Absolutely. Yeah, this is really a great question, actually, because we're currently doing an onboarding and there's three main components. But then beyond those three main components, there's smaller components. And so I like to keep it pretty simple. Obviously, it's easy to get overwhelmed in a lot of information and find that really smart people like a lot of information. So keeping it streamlined is always important. But might I add that before I even became certified in obesity medicine, I had created this program. And now looking at it, it's actually based on three out of the four pillars of obesity medicine. Now my work is much more on embracing your unique body type and actually really optimizing your genetic potential. And I'll talk more about that, but there's a mind component. So the idea that we are in control of our thoughts, that we don't have to be afraid of our thoughts, that we can allow all the thoughts that actually they're an invitation to explore more about ourselves. So in the life coach school, use the thought model, but really it comes from cognitive behavioral therapy, which is thoughts creates feelings, creates behaviors. And so we really hone in on what are our limiting beliefs. And because I'm in the health space, some of the limiting beliefs that we typically hear are, I'm getting too old. This won't work for me now. I'm not an athlete. I never have been. I'm not strong. Okay, I hear that all the time. And so that's one of my missions in life is to help women see how strong they really are physically, mentally, emotionally. And then another one might be, I don't have any time. I'm obviously so busy. And so this will never happen for me. So there's these really strong limiting beliefs. So really the first component is identifying the limiting beliefs that we have. And then not to change them right away, but just consider what would be the alternative if we could think something different. So it's obviously the mind. The next component is really understanding the nutrition piece. So again, I told you the pillars of obesity medicine. So the first one that I use is the CBT. And then the second one that I use is we'll just go with nutrition next. So nutrition in the sense of a lot of times we don't really know how to feed our bodies. So many of us are not very in tune with our hunger cues. So understanding when we are actually hungry and when we are full or satisfied even. And there's a strong emotional component that does come up obviously with, okay, I'm full, but I want to keep eating and digging into that piece. But I say that probably 85% of the success that my program has is probably by just following our hunger scale. So that really is the intuitive piece of the program. But one of the things that I focus on is optimal body composition, because as we age, and most of my women are age range 40 to 65. So we're in that either menopause transition, nearing menopause. And so one of the things that we physiologically know that happens is we are going to lose lean body mass and we are going to gain fat mass. That is going to happen. Now it could be, there's two schools. One school says it's hormone related and one school says it's the aging process. So whatever school we live in, it doesn't really matter. This is what we know. And so the idea is for nutrition, being able to have a gentle nutrition program. So I do not believe that there are any bad foods. I do not 
have my people eliminate any foods, but being able to have a strategy to learn to balance your nutrition in a way that's going to optimize your body composition, particularly your lean mass as we age. So that's the nutrition component. And then the third component is the physical activity, the exercise component. And many of us have exercised for years to change the way our body looks. And so how we approach exercise in my programs is how do you feel when you exercise? You know, we actually learn to process emotion through exercise. So it really becomes a mind body connection. We focus on strength. So the workouts that I do with my crew are all strength-based because it's one of the things that as women, we tend to ignore. And so when we start thinking about loving to move our body, what it feels to move our body and actually what can exercise do for us beyond changing our clothing size we wear, we're changing a number on the scale. So we talk more about, okay, functional movement. Are you preparing yourself to carry your groceries when you're 90? We want to prevent bone loss. We want to bring back that lean muscle mass that may have been lost or maybe potentially facilitate new muscle gain. And so that's really the three components. And then there's obviously a lot of components that go underneath those categories, but overall, that's really how we start to work towards really owning our own strength in terms of our minds and our body. Isn't it amazing? We set these ideas of what strength are early on in life. And a lot of it is image, maybe it's external validation and very little of it is seeing what we can actually do and rewarding ourselves for what we can actually do. So I love the fact of thinking about what I'm doing now is going to help me be stronger when I'm 90 what I'm doing now is going to create the resilience that I need for whatever moving forward and that I really can redefine myself. And that really opens up a lot of opportunity. Is that what you've experienced and what you're seeing others experience? Absolutely. Because I was actually thinking about this before we got on the call today. And, you know, one of the things for me is, you know, a vulnerable moment for me, but when I was six, like I was told that I was not thin enough. And from the age of six to the age of 22, I did not have a good relationship with my body at all because I was bigger than my friends. And I can remember one of my friend's moms telling me in first grade, her daughter was 40 pounds. I can remember what I weighed. I was 60 pounds. And the mom had said, you better go on a diet. So that was the first time I heard diet. I was six years old. And obviously I'm a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist anyway. And so overachiever, all or none thinking. So what's that going to do to that brain structure, that age child? And really did think that there was something wrong with me. My body type was very different than most of my friends. I'll be honest. I was the bigger friend. What I didn't focus on was the fact that I kicked butt in like athletics. Like I was really strong and I could pick up any sport, but that didn't matter to me. What mattered is I wasn't as thin as my friends. And so really what happened is society taught me that there are two body types, thin and not thin. And then what happened from there is, well, but thin is the acceptable one and I'm not thin. So I'm not acceptable. That is what I believed about my body. So when I was a senior in high school, that's the first time that I really tried to drop weight. I dropped 20 pounds. I hit my adult height and weight at age 12. When I was 17, I decided to lose 20 pounds and I was also being recruited to play softball. Well, I lost 20 pounds of power and strength for sure. I still got recruited to play softball, but my softball career was never the same. So then I went to college and then the amount of training and the amount of stress and eating, I did not have it all together yet. I yo-yoed 30 pounds for about four years. Okay. So this was my start <laughs> into really becoming passionate about this work because 
when I was about 22, I said, this is crap. I'm done with all of this because what I was taught when I was six, that's crap. And so I'm going to rewire this. And so what happened was I really started to embrace who I was as a unique individual, started to really dive into nutrition, exercise, understanding body types. At that point, I wasn't really in deep with the psychology of it all. It really stemmed more from just really learning everything I could possibly know about how can you achieve health? Okay. What sizes are healthy? And right there, I made the decision at age 22 that I was going to be who I am. And so I started rebuilding the relationship with myself when I was about that age. And instead of trying to not gain muscle in the gym, I decided to gain muscle in the gym. Instead of letting my weight on the scale hold me back, I decided to let the scale weight conform to me. And so I started to just create this whole experience, which then allowed me to believe that I wasn't the only one out there, that there must be other people out there. And that's when I started having people approach me and ask for, it started very simple. Can I have a training program? Because I didn't hold myself back anymore. And so you know, I let myself gain muscle. People would say, oh, wow, looks like you have some muscle. Can you give me a program? Because I want that too. And so just setting myself up as a role model to say, hey, ladies over here, if you were told the same thing, that's not accurate. So there are other ways and let's define your way. That's huge. And that's young. Hooray for you for drawing that line and saying no more. I mean, it was really a come to moment. And can I tell you, so when I was 22, I left college. I actually graduated six months early. It wasn't a great situation in college. The softball was quite intense. And I went to summer school so that I could graduate a little bit early. But I did play the three and a half years that I was there. Completed my degree with plans to go to med school six months later. So I was already teed up to go to med school. And the idea was when I showed up at med school, I had lost the 30 pounds. Okay. So I was at my weight, what I consider to be my natural weight, my set point weight. And I have maintained that weight for over 20 years. And that's even with two pregnancies where I did gain 50 pounds with both pregnancies based on just the mindset and the principles that I established at that age of 22. So I know the thing that makes me really proud is that it's possible for anyone. So even if somebody says, yeah, but I'm 40 now, it's not a problem. I mean, one of the things and the reason why I got more education and went on the obesity medicine route is because there's so many hormones involved with all of this, especially as we age, but there are things that we can do. And that's powerful. We have the power. We don't have to sit back and say, I passed the age, but it is going to take a little bit of diving in and deciding who you are, becoming aware of who you are and starting that process of that self-acceptance. That's huge. I'm a big believer in unlearning. And especially as a physician, we have to unlearn some things. So you mentioned all or nothing thinking. We have got to unlearn that because nothing is all or nothing when it comes to life. And especially when it comes to change that doesn't come naturally. What else have you helped others unlearn to see that they are strong? Such a good question. I really, really love it. Well, I would say that probably now that we're talking about kind of some of the thought distortions, which I love talking about, so should statements, should statements are another form of thought distortion where we say to ourselves, I should have done that. So looking back into the past and kind of beating ourselves up for something maybe we did or didn't do, because it could also be, I should have done that, or I should not have done that. Or looking into the future and saying, I should 
do this. I don't really want to do this, but I should do this or I should not do this. And so it really takes us away from that deep down desire that we really want. And all it creates is a whole lot of anxiety. I am a person who says should a whole lot. That is an automatic thought pattern that I have. And the really cool things about thought patterning is that we tend to have three main ones. When we are saying should a lot, we will notice that the anxiety level does increase. So actually the feeling of anxiety can actually feel pretty overwhelming at times. And so what I would say is how I help people with that is to say, okay, first of all, be aware, be aware that when you are saying should or should not, a great exercise actually is, and anybody listening can do this. So you actually, in one day's time, count how many times you say I should or should not have you're going to not even believe how many times you say it. Most of us say it a whole lot. And so just realize that that's going to increase the level of our restlessness, our anxiety, which is usually a fast feeling. So if you are a person that has some bad habits, like maybe we hit the pantry at night, maybe we drink a little bit extra wine, maybe we shop a little bit additionally, whatever it is to make us feel better, please know that when we are increasing those feelings that are really fast and saying I should is one of the ways then you might see some urges to want to do those behaviors. And so just recognizing how often you're saying it and then really pulling evidence and saying, okay, why should I do this? Or why should I not do this? So instead of having should power us, we are actually then saying, okay, no, you have a decision to make and it can be based on your desire that you have. You can pull evidence for what you want to do, but ultimately that decision is your power. Nobody is making you do it. And so when we can take back that way, a whole lot of strength just gets completely unleashed. For sure. I'm a total believer that should blocks fulfillment. That's all it does. It just Mm -hmm. keeps us from experiencing our own power. So Mm -hmm. kicking that one out, it opens up a lot of freedom. And that's really what strength is. It's owning our power it's seeing our power and then it's directing it to become better versions of ourselves. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. So unlearning all or nothing thinking, unlearning the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves and the amount of anxiety that we create through should statements allows us to start to redefine what strength is in our own life. Where does that tend to go for folks in your program? Like what starts to open up? What's the process that you see developing? Yeah, so I think that this is a really great question because I think it's super easy to just give somebody a nutrition plan and an exercise plan and say, here, go do this. But the thought and the emotional work is the part that usually we avoid because think about it. We don't put as much... I don't know, value in, you know, what it really means to think a certain way. We don't really believe that our thoughts can create our results. And so I think that the process is, first of all, being curious. So I think anybody who comes into my program is curious. That's why they come in. They know that I'm going to help them with their health, but they're curious about this process. So they come in. Now, the curiosity will lead them to start looking at some of the information. So then it's like being curious, finding information. Okay. And then they're going to find the information and then they're going to buy in or not buy in. Okay. So if they're going to live in the kind of thoughts of, I don't have time, or this is not the right time in my life. That's usually the most common reason why people won't pursue, or that's really for me, that is usually what the issue is. I just don't have time. It's not the right time. But the other end is, okay, 
they're buying in. They're like, oh, wow, I've never heard of this. This is fascinating. I didn't know this. So it's being curious, finding information, becoming interested. So that's the next piece, becoming interested. And now I've learned over the years that I have to keep it really simple because overwhelm, obviously, and I know you know this, is one of the big things that particularly us multitaskers, high-functioning individuals are going to feel quite often. So it's almost like this fine balance of giving enough information for my curious individuals so that they can take it, buy in or not buy in. And if they're buying in, they're even more curious now. Okay, so that's how the process starts. And then what you'll start to see happening is they let their guard down. There's like this fifth phase that happens. They let their guard down and they're willing to go to that next step. And really the next step is for them just to see what their thoughts are. We're not changing anything yet. They're just noticing what thoughts come up for them. So one of the things that I started doing this month, actually, I knew that I needed to give a little bit of a different onboarding process because of exactly what I'm telling you right now. Time constraint, overwhelm, buy-in, not buy-in, all those things can happen. And so for us to be able to move forward, those steps have to happen. So one of the things I always ask is, think about the result. Why did you come to this program? What is the result you want? And list one obstacle that's preventing you from getting that. Now that obstacle is their thought, right? So what I do, and this is exactly what I did this month, is I said, why did you join? What result do you want? What's holding you back? And then I went down the list and I looked at every single obstacle and they were all thoughts. And I would simply just ask them an additional question that would promote their thinking past their thought. Okay, somebody wrote in and said, result achieve my fitness goal. That was, it was just a general statement. And the obstacle was, I keep breaking promises to myself. And so my question back to her was, what if you made yourself one eensy weensy little tiny baby promise? So that's the process. So we have to get individuals who are particularly new to this work to the point where they're just willing to see their thought. That's it. They're willing to see their thought. And then really where the coaching comes in, because I think that's always a big question. And I know you probably get it all the time too. So what does a coach really do? How is it different than therapy or whatever? And the idea is holding the space and helping to facilitate them to discover their own truth. And so I love how we actually did this month because it really brought to light. And I wasn't saying that you can't have that thought. I was saying, okay, great. Let's take it further. What do you think about this? That's fantastic because it identifies the all or nothing. Like I either do it or I don't do it rather than I take incremental steps towards Mm -hmm. change. So let me tell you yesterday, and we do live workouts. That's one of the things is mind, body, strength. So we do strength training. And I did a routine with them where we did a push-up ladder. And so we started with one push-up and then we did two push-ups, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, worked up to 10. So totally it was 55 pushups. So if I said to them, okay, we're going to do 55 pushups now, everybody would have ended the call. The overwhelm, the, I can't (laughs) do it. The labels, I'm not strong enough. All of our Uh chatter comes up. Uh I started marathon training and I hired a coach because I want it to be sustainable. I want it to be kind to my body. I want it to be enjoyable as much as it can. And so this morning, three and a half mile run, I started walking just to warm up. And I saw a friend of mine who's doing it on her own. And we were talking about the mental chatter that comes up. And I thought, wow, 
I feel so fortunate to have a plan. All I have to do is what's on the plan. The plan is doable. I've done it. I see how it's going to grow and not just do the plan, but trust the process. And that's what you're describing. Trust the process. And what I noticed in, in what you shared is that curiosity is the emotion that fuels more rather than overwhelm, anxiety, stress, guilt. Those may get temporary results, but that's likely to lead to up and down results and more beating oneself up. I love that. And I love that you're training for a marathon and it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree. And so what I found is when I actually surveyed my group and I said, what is the barrier to strength training for you? And there were three main ones. So one obviously is going to tie in with the all or none thinking is I have to do it five days a week to see results. That was the first thing. And I don't have five days a week to do it. The second thing was I'm going to get bulky. That, that really was the second highest one. And the third thing is that I'm not an athlete. I'm not athletic. I'm not coordinated. I'm going to get hurt. That was all one thought like looped into one. So those were the three things. But from what we're talking about here in terms of the all or none, we can break those thoughts down if we pull all or none out. So the idea of I don't have five days, five days is not required. In fact, like one day is sufficient, like truly 20 minutes, 10 minutes, you know, and then the piece of getting bulky. What do you mean by that? Let's pull evidence because that's where we can really get into the science and we won't. But when we go all bulky isn't all. So what do you mean by that? we tend to classify ourselves like under one word. This is what happens to us. And then the final piece is just kind of, again, you know, getting into what if you could believe that you actually were an athlete? Can athletes come in all forms? Chess players can be athletes. Absolutely. How would you, from a big picture level, how do you define strength? From a big picture level, strength is owning who you are and being willing to show the world who that is. I totally agree. It's easy to, to say, this is who I am, like to say it and not do it because we have so many protective coverings. Like this is who I am in this environment. This is who I can be in this environment, but really to stand strong and to say, no, this is who I am. I'm someone who does. I'm someone who doesn't. And to let all the chatter internally and all the chatter externally happen and not derail you. I love that. And actually, I was just thinking, as you said that, the idea about why wouldn't we show the world? And usually when I ask that question, I hear judgment. I don't want to be judged. And then usually what I say to promote more curiosity is, well, they're judging you anyway, unless you're really in tune and you're in, even if you are in tune, it's human nature, we will judge, but just being aware of that and not making it mean anything. So we're going to be judged anyway. So if that were the case, then what do you want to do? I think what we're most afraid of is that people will agree with our own internal judgment. Uh -huh. If we didn't have those judgments of ourselves, like we wouldn't expect it. It's if somebody came up to me and said, my dog was ugly, I'd be like, I think you need to see the eye doctor because my dog is not ugly, right? So I don't have that judgment or that opinion of him. And I simply wouldn't agree with somebody else. We'd, we'd keep walking on, but we've got our own serious internal judgment going on. And we are so concerned that others are going to see it. So true. It's funny when you talked about your dog, I was listening one time 
and I forget what it was exactly, but if somebody came up to me and had said, your husband, he is like really rude. He is such a jerk. He's not who I want to spend my time with. And I would say, are you kidding me? He's like the best, like he literally is the kindest person I've ever met. It's so easy for us to kind of defend that. But if someone were to come up to us and say, I don't want to spend my time with you. You're a horrible person. I don't even know how you've made it this far and even have friends. We would be a little bit low and it would resonate with us a little bit and we would start to question things. But when it's about somebody else that we really love, it doesn't even enter. It's not allowed to go any further. There's this huge boundary. But then for ourselves, we sometimes bend that boundary and allow those words to come in and potentially mean things. Yeah. Those words become daggers. But share how people can get in touch with you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So I actually have two programs and pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So my one program is Goals Society. It's G-O-A-L-S Society. And that goals is actually a mnemonic and real quick. It's just get hungry first, observe for fullness, allow your feelings, love to exercise and stop perfectionism. And so that's what those principles are based on. And then the program is set up in a monthly format. So it's actually a membership program for female physicians. And we focus on mind and body. So we do obviously cognitive coaching calls, but we do strength training coaching calls where we do motivational coaching while we strength train, which is really powerful. And how I offer that program, I do a 30-day free trial. So you can come in and you can try it out for 30 days. I invite members in at the end of every month. So I have a uh, wait list now and then just certify you're a physician and you get a free code to come in. And if you like it, say, if you don't like it, hey, we don't ask any questions. You've got to try it. So that's my one program at School Society. And then my second program is a program called Transform. This is a CME program. So it's 48 CME credits and it's a course to cure mental, emotional, and physical burnout. So it's a six month actually fitness training program, which is pretty cool. And so throughout the time, we actually strength train together weekly, multiple times, three times every week. And it's a whole curriculum where we actually go into the thought distortions. We go into all the emotional work. And then you really learn some advanced techniques in terms of body transformation. And when I say body transformation, what I mean is optimizing our lean mass to body fat ratio. It doesn't mean let's get skinny. Let's get 12% body fat. It actually means optimizing your health. And so that's my second program called Transform. Pretty easy to find me. It's just www.lifecoachingforwomenphysicians.com. That's my website and everything you need is right there. I have a podcast and a blog and I have a free seven-day program called Activate, which is also a great kind of self-starter, self-coaching type program. So awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Allie. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. One last thing before we go, remember Advice Media. Don't forget to schedule a consult with them to receive a $60 gift card and strategic insight on what your current digital marketing is doing or not doing for you. Contact Advice Media at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. Again, drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. I'll see you next time. Ciao. Create clarity and simplicity with all of your marketing so that the people you serve know how you can help them. As a StoryBrand certified guide, I help physicians create this to launch or grow any type of business. Sign up for a consult call with me at georgemdcoaching.com.